Thanks for joining the Lake Anna podcast. My name is Grayson Hoffman. I'm a Lake Anna resident, a Lake Anna real estate agent, and a Lake Anna real estate investor. Our goal here on this podcast is to bring you useful, relevant, and entertaining information about Lake Anna. Today's guest on the podcast is Cap- Captain Timothy Luck from the Louisa County Fire and EMS Department. My real estate clients often ask me fire and medical related questions like where are the closest hospitals, how long does it take the fire truck to get here if there's a fire, questions like that. So I thought it would be helpful to have Captain Luck come on the show and address some of those questions. Turns out here at Lake Anna, we are in a very safe place from a medical and fire perspective. Not a lot of fires, not a lot of medical emergencies, but there was a lot of really interesting information that we discussed that I think will be helpful. We discussed a wide range of topics, and uh, those included different medical emergencies around the lake and steps that you can take to avoid them, different fire emergencies around the lake, common causes of the few house fires that have taken place here recently at the lake, and steps that you can take to avoid them. We discussed how incredibly experienced and skilled the emergency responders here around the lake are and how lucky we are to have them. We discuss medical transportation here around Lake Anna, both ground-based and air transportation. And we also discuss how you, if you want to, can get involved as either a volunteer or a full-time EMS responder here at Lake Anna. So thank you again for joining us, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Lake Anna Podcast. Thank you for joining the Lake Anna Podcast. Today's guest is Captain... Timothy K. Luck, a.k.a. Timmy. A little background on Timmy. Timmy works for the Louisa County Department of Fire and EMS. He has over 15 years of experience with fire and EMS and has held positions ranging from firefighter, paramedic, to volunteer assistant fire chief. Currently, you are the captain of fire prevention and the deputy emergency coordinator here at Louisa County, yeah? That's correct. So this means that Timmy is Louisa County's point man for fire prevention activity, which includes public education, site plan reviews, other fire prevention activities. He is also our point man for the county's emergency operation plan and day-to-day emergency management activities, right? Yes. In other professional capacities... He has worked as a professional paramedic in various locations, responding to medical emergencies, providing treatment, transportation for patients who are in bad shape. You've worked as a firefighter for years, a trauma care tech in the emergency department, the emergency room at VCU, right down the road in Richmond. You also worked as a security officer at NAPS, right? North Anna Power Station? I did for about six years. Wow. We recently had uh, Stuart Morris uh, here on the podcast. Do you know Stuart? I do. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a good uh, good podcast. W- what did you do over at NAPS? It was security, so access and making sure everybody was safe over there. Right on. Six years. You did that job for six years. Yep. Wow. You've also worked as a fire inspector, um, other fire roles. And you've got a long list of certifications here, um, but you're Firefighter 1 and 2. Am I saying that right? Yep. Yes, sir. 
And then uh, you're obviously a paramedic, hazmat tech, and some other things. But if you're around here at Lake Anna, if you're lucky, you might spot uh, Timmy at Lake Anna's watering hole, the Lake Anna Taff House, <laughs> playing trivia and enjoying beers as your wife, Samantha, serves them. Yeah, I'll be there <laughs> a couple times a week. Good, man. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming down. Not a problem. How you been? Good. Busy. Good. Good. Busy. Now, you recently got promoted to the captain job. It was just like last year, right? Yeah, uh, last January, right after the snowstorm. Okay. Do they still let you out to, you know, wrestle around with fires and that, or are you just pushing paper now? No, occasionally I get out, and if it's a big fire, most of us in the office will go and help out in some capacity. Kind of all hands on deck. Yeah. Now, you've been in the Louisa County, Lake Anna area for a while. Yep. Since birth. Since birth. Now, your family's been here for a long time, right? Very long time. Tell us about that. How how, how far it goes back? It's generations, isn't it? Yeah, I'm wrong guy to ask on that one because my (laughs) grandfather was here before the lake and his family was here longer than that. Yeah, yeah. Still in the area. Now, your grandfather is the legend James Durson, right? He's. He built my family's first lake house here, back here in the early 70s. Um, and he's, what is he, 92, mm-hmm. 95 now? Like 96, I think. Wow. And he's still, I drive by his house and he's still out, he's outside, yep. working the garden, running running marathons. Yeah, he's, he's still getting around. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, your wife, excuse me, your mom, uh, your mom is Irene. And your dad is also a legend in these parts. Tommy Luck. The ball player, former ball player. He is uh, he's a CPA here, right? In town. He is, yep. All right. Uh, l- let's dive in here. I want to go back to your job, you know, as as the captain. Um, tell us about your current job now. What's your day-to-day entail? So two sides of my job. It's uh, fire prevention, and so that's dealing, uh, that's setting up public education, whether it's mm-hmm. reach out or we see something going on we want to be involved in, like the uh, – fall festival that parks and rec puts on or any event like that in the community uh, also handle the smoke alarm detector program mm-hmm. we do offer some free smoke detectors throughout the county um what's the smoke detector program how does that work so it's more you know it's a request so you request and then we will able to, we can give you one per floor for a smoke detector to so if i don't have a smoke detector yep i can call Fire department, yep. Louisa County. Yeah, you and you'll stop, stop by one of the firehouses. They have them there, and they'll install them for you. It might take us a while because we're busy. And right. Busy and leanly staffed. Yeah. Okay, so. but that's but that's good for everybody to know. Mm-hmm. So if you need smoke detectors at your house, yep. they can call you guys, and you'll come out, and you'll install one. on. Yep. It, 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 you said one on each floor. Yep. What's your f- official position on? What do you recommend smoke detector wise? Is that one outside? Sometimes you hear one outside of every bedroom, and or pretty much just one per floor. Is that so enough? There, I mean, there's a building code that says I'm pretty sure it says that it's you know one in each bed- bedroom and outside of the bedrooms as well. Okay, okay. Would you recommend them having them elsewhere as well? Is that pretty much cover it? That pretty much covers it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sorry, I got you off track. You were talking about the smoke detector program, but that was part of your job, educating the public. Yeah, so we do uh, try to do some Facebook social media pushes every once in a while, try not to overwhelm people with Facebook. 
right, right. social media because that's can easily be done. Um, Still, it's a good platform. Yeah, good communication platform. We get safety info out. In charge of the dry hydrant program, which is a Department of Forestry program that is the puts in dry hydrants. So these are hydrants like out here at the lake, the white pipe that sticks up next to some boat docks and boat ramps that we can hook up to and draft from the lake if we need to. Um, they're throughout the county. It doesn't have to be at the lake. So you're calling it a dry hydrant. Yeah, because there's no pressure on it. There's no water pump to it. We have to actually okay. use our fire trucks to get water. So how, how does a fire hydrant work normally, like like in a city, so we know what to compare it yeah, to? Yeah, so here. in a city, you go out there, and the fire department hooks up or can turn it on, and mm-hmm. without a fire truck, it water comes out, just like you turn your faucet on in your house. It's pressurized yep. in the city, city water. Yep, city water. Okay, so we don't. That's interesting. Some out here at Lake Anna and rural areas like Louisa, we don't don't have that. We or have them in, in the, the town. In the towns, we have okay. them. Uh, Zion's Crossroads, uh, Mineral Louisa, Shando Crossing has their own system out there. Some some local systems have them. Okay, but and those are pressurized mm-hmm. fire hydrants. Yes, sir. But at the lake, around the lake, we don't have those. No. No, we either we have these dry either dry hydrants. install a dry hydrant or we have hoses that we can drop in the lake and get water from the lake without one. Interesting. So I, I think I've seen, in fact, I know I've seen the dry hydrants around. You see in some of the common areas, mm-hmm. the water access areas, and some of these subdivisions, and it's like a big PVC yep. pipe coming out. So what are we looking at there? What, what's on the backside? So in the water, it's just the pipe that goes out to a certain depth to give us enough okay. water to get, so we don't create a vacuum and suck air from the atmosphere because i think it has to be two feet all the way around that pipe okay so we don't pull mud up from the bottom right, or right pull enough pressure where there's actually a whirlpool that we are sucking atmospheric air into the pipe even though it's underwater okay so if there's a fire three blocks four blocks from the water um, you guys would respond go out there and you hook up to the dry hydrant now you're not actually hooking up a fire hose that goes to the fire itself no we have you're to, loading up the yeah. truck with water yeah we normally will put an engine what we call an engine there that's uh their main job is to pump water so they'll pull water and tanker trucks will come by and fill up off that engine or if it's close enough we'll drop hose from if it's close close yeah yeah how close would it have to be for that if you're going to just drop hose when we average about a thousand feet of hose on each truck for supplying water so can you hook hoses together? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you could go two or three thousand feet. Yep. Uh, where's the pressure coming from on that? The pump on the truck will create the pressure. Okay. So if it's a few blocks from the water, you can probably just yep. do a direct connect to it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're filling up a pump truck. Yep. And then the other trucks are coming and they're filling up off that. Mm, that's correct. Man, can be. That's pretty involved. You guys practice that? Yeah. Yeah. We get we practice it and get. It gets used a lot, unfortunately, but the longer, the farther you are away from your water source, the mm-hmm. more tankers you need just to make the, to make the loop. Right. No, oh, I bet. I bet. So there are dry hydrants like that throughout the lake. Yep. At the common areas. Are they pretty much only at the common areas? Is that where you find them or are they in some other spots? Mainly at the common well? areas because we can get to those pretty, most common areas pretty easily and it's not really affecting anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, if we pulled down your driveway and blocked up your driveway, most, you know, you might not be too happy with us when you come out. Right, right. Need to leave. But. That's interesting. So 
in in your job so far you know we've talked about you know kind of the the fire related stuff um what other supervisory you know kind of duties and authorities do you have on the fire side so you've done some training smoke detector program do you have any um you know kind of professional relationship with the like the firehouses themselves yeah i mean we, we go out and you know talk to the chiefs the volunteer fire chiefs and the, yep. our crews in the station i'm out there probably once a week or so i'd like to be out there more but i've got other duties to do but so uh, now's probably a good time to maybe just just quickly describe the structure of you know louisa county fire ems how it's set up i think you mentioned volunteer in, mm-hmm. in a moment so it sounds like it's a combination for at least for louisa county here where a large portion of the lake sits in louisa it county yep. it's a combination of professional paid fire ems guys and women i just say guys um as well as volunteers yeah so the counties as you know most people know it's like 510 square miles that we're responsible for there's seven firehouses right now and three. Volu- We're talking about just Louisa County. Just Louisa County. Seven firehouses. Seven firehouses, three volunteer rescue squads. Um, we have 78 career members and then about 250 volunteers throughout the county. What's a career member? So that's somebody that comes to work and gets paid for what they do. Okay. That they're, so you got 78 full-time employees, yep. basically. Yep. And I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's been a shift over the years there used to be a division between fire and medical, right? You yep. had your firefighters and then you had your EMTs and your paramedics. Have they started to you know, kind of merge together more into one now? Yeah, career staff is 100% cross-trained. So whether they're, everybody's a firefighter and then they're different levels of EMS, whether they're EMT, what we call trauma level, which is like a between EMT and a paramedic. And then we have paramedics. Okay. So at the top are paramedics. Yep. Are there different levels of paramedic training and certification? Yeah, still in state. Nationally, there's not. State, there is. So there's okay. a, what we call paramedic and intermediates in the state of Virginia. And then there's traumas and EMTs. Okay. Is an intermediate a type of paramedic? Yep, type of medic. Okay. Um, obviously, the paramedic requires the most training. And then yes. an intermediate. And then an EMT. And there's two levels of EMTs, you there's said? There's a what they call a trauma level or advanced emt okay which okay. is an add-on to your emt okay and then you've got the basic emt yep. level okay so all of the firefighters in louisa county they're all also medics or they just have one of those one of those is that an application you know requirement employment nope. requirement nope. to have we'll, one uh we'll take people straight off the street and okay. give them all the training they need if that's you know that's what we have to do interesting so you guys will train folks we'll who, train yep if you're applying, do you have to have one or the other, or will you you'll, you'll no, train folks all, completely? It's all depends on what we need. So if we only looking for like one or two, and we have trained people in the application process, then occasionally they'll hire those over top of the ones that aren't trained. But if we have, you know, nobody that's trained, and we need people bad enough, and we'll put you through training. Interesting. You guys hiring right now? Yep, always. You're always hiring. Not always positions open. There's always, always positions open. open. Yep. The application process is open. We are, uh, I think May 1st, I'll have to check on that, but May 1st we're closing our application process for a couple more spots that are we need to fill. Okay. Oh, but you're you're actively accepting applications now. Now. Up until, sounds like. I think May 1st. May 1st is around there. What I've heard. But. Awesome. 
Awesome. So backing up to, you were saying a moment ago that there are seven stations Mm -hmm. around Louisa County. Um, and then you said that there are three volunteer stations, volunteer rescue stations, volunteer rescue stations. They, they're just running ambulances. They're only doing medical. Okay. Now are those stations, are are they located where one of the seven are, or are they completely independent? No, they're, uh, they're located. So the seven stations for fire, Zion's Crossroads, Mm -hmm. Louisa, Mm -hmm. Trevilians, Mineral, Holly Grove, Locust Creek, and Bumpus. Okay. The rescue stations are in uh, in Louisa, in Bumpus, and Holly Grove. Okay. But those three, are they physically located where a fire station also is, or are they by themselves? They're by themselves, yeah. They're in their own building. Interesting. And those are strictly volunteer. That's correct. And then on the fire side, it sounds like in the seven stations, it's a blend yep. of volunteer and full-time yep. guys. Yeah, and uh, all but two stations right now we have career in the firehouses. Okay, so two of them are strictly volunteer then. Yep. Which ones of those are closest to the lake? Which ones respond to, to stuff out here at the so lake? So right now around the lake, um, I guess the southeast end of the lake would be Bumpus, the central part mm-hmm. of the lake, like Johnson Road, Mitchell Point, Dixon Store right now is Mineral, and then okay. Trevilians picks up like bib store area people really don't think of that as a lake but there is some peach yeah. grove area yeah 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 of the lake way up yep okay and that's being served by mineral by trevilians by trevilians yep. okay yeah that makes sense that makes sense okay interesting um okay so that's that's kind of the structure and at each firehouse like what's the authority structure like how, how does that work so each firehouse has a volunteer set of officers which mm-hmm. range from a fire chief assistant fire chief on down to lieutenants and sergeants depending on how their bylaws are set up um and then those that have there's then there's three stations that have career lieutenants in them okay to kind of talk back and forth between everybody your brother is a full-time guy right he is john yep he's at the louisa station he is well what's what's his job is he a lieutenant he's a lieutenant he's a lieutenant all right very cool very cool so there are three counties the lake sits in three counties orange Pennsylvania, and louisa um how does coordination you know out at the lake work how does coordination work with the other counties do you guys ever you know overlap or help each other yeah so something on the lake we normally work with spotsylvania they're uh they have every we're south of the old north anna riverbed Mm -hmm. and they're north of the old riverbed and then orange fills in like promunky and when you say the riverbed you mean the one actually running right through the middle of the lake now okay wow how do you how do you know where that line is gis mapping (laughs) (laughs) so if something goes down on the water do you all let's say that that there's an event Let's say that a boat catches on fire or um, like I'm, I'm here on the Louisa side. Let's say my boathouse caught on fire. Um, does Louisa County, do you guys respond? Well, let's start with a boat example. Let's say I'm out on my boat. My boat catches fire. Somebody calls 911 and says there's a boat on fire. Who, who responds to that? So the big thing is what side of the lake you're on. So if it's on the cold side, 
the public side, it would mm-hmm. be probably a combination of Louisiana and Spotsylvania. Okay. Um, Let's say you're on the private side. Then it's all Louisiana. It's, it's all Louisiana. Spotsylvania would have to take their boat out the water and come over and help us if we needed them. Okay. So does Louisa have water craft that you use in responses? Yep. We have a currently is a pontoon boat that's, that's – uh, Owned by Lake Anna Rescue. Is it outfitted with like huge machine guns that shoot yeah. water? No, and... I'm not sure what's on there. No. But, uh, and then there's just a rescue boat that's at the uh, boat houses at uh, the no, tap was... house. Oh, it's at the tap house. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have, and that's Louisa County's. Mm-hmm. So Louisa County has a rescue boat ready to go yep. at the tap house and it can be launched from there. So is this why you spend so much time at the tap house? <laughs> You're actually working. Yeah. You're sitting there. You can have a cold one while you wait. Yeah. Something happens. No, I wish. You're off. I wish, but no. <laughs> That's good to know that I didn't know that there was a boat sitting there. Yeah, and then the sheriff's office has two boats as well. So they have one. Louisiana on County Sheriff's. Yep, they so have, they can go to. They have one on the hot side and one on the cold cold side. Yep. Okay. And then obviously, if there is something on the shoreline, then you're just taking vehicles. Yep. Vehicles there. Right. Yeah, I mean, either way, you're going to get. There's going to be vehicles coming. Okay. Even if it's out in the water, Even you get a vehicle just as close as you can yeah. get. Okay. Okay. Um, I know that there, it doesn't seem like there are too many fires don't seem to happen often out here. Like house fires. Is that right? Not much. They happen, but luckily not often. Not often. Yeah. I don't, I don't hear about them too much. Um, I want to just take a minute and, and, better understand you know what happens on your end on the fire end when a when a call comes in um you know let's say that there's you know a house fire in louisa a waterfront home out here that you know reports if someone calls in that there's smoke or 911 call boom the call is placed where does that call go first of all who who answers that phone so it's our dispatch center in the town of louisa in the okay. county office building there um, okay they'll answer it and then get information from you address you know return phone call case something happens where your phone mm-hmm. you know drops or mm-hmm. and then they'll dispatch based on the call you tell them what's going on so and a ems call you get an ambulance and then structure fire you get four fire companies and a medic unit so when you say it's okay so the dispatch receives the call and then you say it's dispatched what does that mean what happens they uh, set a set of tones off and then it what are tones so it's just noises on the radio that okay. alert either pagers or our, our firehouses of what's going on okay so, so so there's a there's an audible alert that happens yep. are there different tones that mean different things or is it just a standard tone so it's a different tone for each department okay so okay those departments so those members know and the station alerting will go off so the bells and whistles in the firehouse will wake wake our guys up or volunteers up or catch your attention to know that something's going on they need to listen to. Okay. So let's say you're a firefighter um, at the mineral station. Tones go off. Bells go off. Um, and I'm assuming, well, let's, you just tell me what happens next. Are they running right to the truck or do they, are they, do they go somewhere to receive the information first? How no, does it- they're going right to the truck, um, getting their turnout gear on if it's needed, getting in the apparatus. What's the turnout gear? So it's the, the bunker gear, the the protective clothing that they okay. wear for a fire. So putting their fire yep. fire stuff on. Yeah. And then they get the information two ways. They'll mark up on the radio 
in dispatch will give them the information and how we have mm-hmm. uh, laptops and iPads and the apparatus where they can see exactly what's going on, what the dispatch is entering and who's coming and water source and everything. Interesting. Okay. So everybody basically gets their gear on, hops in the truck, and I guess the laptop sitting there tells the driver where to go. Yep. Or, and he, so that's when he's getting it first and he's going. Yep. And then is, I, I guess there's some type of, like, is it being communicated over the radio on the way or is the driver reading out to everybody what's no, going on? How, how does everybody in the truck learn where they're going and what's going on? So the dispatch will communicate over the radio and then okay. the officer will give them directions on what, what, what they want to do when they get there. So it's different assignments if you're first on scene versus when you're third on scene. So okay, to what that truck does. Okay. Okay. So there's someone in command as you're going, making decisions about who's going to do what when you get there. Yep. Okay. Interesting. And then you arrive and it just kind of depends on what's going on. Yep, exactly. In, in the last couple of years, have, have there been house fires, uh, at Lake Anna, on, at least on the, the the Louisa side. Yeah, we've had several over on the Louisa side. There was one recently in the Waters, right? That's correct. So the Waters is one of the larger subdivisions in the lake. It's on the private side, just off Kentucky Springs. Yep. Um, and what what happened there? What do you know about that? So it, that was uh, about five o'clock in the morning. It looks mm-hmm. like house fire. House fire. Looks like the fire started probably outside the structure from something and okay. moved inside and luckily everybody was able to get out. So so the so the folks this was not a I don't know if it was a secondary home or not, but people lived there. Yep. At the time they were there. This was at five in the morning. Okay, and they got out. They got out. Any idea how they were alerted to the fire or they got uh, out? Actually from I heard the, about dogs. Yep. I think uh, somebody said dogs. Talking to the homeowners, it sounded like the dog woke them up to go out, and then that's when they, wow. they noticed that it was on fire. Wow! So the homeowner reported that. Yep. Wow. No, no smoke detectors. So outside, there's no smoke detectors, right? So the fire got into the attic, which is above your smoke detectors. Oh man! So, so should we be putting smoke detectors in the attic <laughs> and outside? Yeah. As soon as this is over, I'm going to put smoke detectors on my back deck. And in my attic. Yeah, the problem Just is get, the smoke detectors. They don't. The companies won't recommend them for the attic because of the high heats. Interesting. So if okay. They, they can't can't say they're reliable in the attic. Okay, so if they get really hot, yep. their detection mechanism may not may work. not work as well. Interesting. Or work too well and go off every time. Wow. So it sounds like there what may have happened was yep. fire started outside, yep. back deck or something like that dogs alerted the owner owners owners yeah. and and they got out um, from the firefighting perspective what what happened so our units got there pretty quickly i don't know the exact time but the first unit got there and the house was fully involved and they went to work and any lucks there john luck yeah that well you i was uh my brother was there later and then my dad actually all three was of you. very close to the house so that's right because they just live right yeah, down the road they do. did he respond or he didn't, yep. wow wow okay so you actually went to the one at the waters and 
which truck were you in? So I, I have a take home vehicle. So I came in that and oh, okay. was able to assist with command and some other duties. Okay. So the tones that you talked about a minute ago woke you up yep. at 5 a.m. Or were you at the tap house? Nope. All right. At home. So right. In bed. <laughs> so, so you're at home and you go. By the time you get there, was a, a big truck already there? Oh, yeah. They, they beat me by several minutes. Okay. So. Okay. And when you arrived, what did you see? What was the condition of the home? The house was still still on fire. So we actually set up water supply from a dry hydrant in the neighborhood and wow. started shoveling water. Now, this particular house, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was out almost by Kentucky Springs. Yeah, it was just probably a quarter mile off of Kentucky Springs. You could see it from the right. road. Is there a – so up at the front of uh, the waters, there's those ponds. Mm-hmm. Is there dry hydrants by those ponds, or did you have to go all the way to the common area? Nope, there's one in one of those ponds. Oh, man. Whoever thought about that was a yeah. good idea. Yeah, I don't know who did that. But that you should have just taken credit for it. Right then. That, that was there, <laughs> there before I got here. So. <laughs> That's a fantastic yep. idea. So – and did they shuttle water, or did they just go direct line? No, we shuttled water on that one. Okay. So when you got there, was was the house you know completely engulfed, or was it just part of it on fire? Uh, it was or? pretty much still completely engulfed. They were. Wow. They were working it. We're trying to, yep, trying to get it out. Man, uh, was it eventually extinguished? Mm-hmm. How long did it take, roughly? Uh, normal house fire takes probably three hours from time we're dispatched to the time we're back in service. Okay. Okay. You feel like this one kind of fell in line with normal or? Yeah. I mean, it's faster. It's probably a little longer because of the, you know, size of the house and the, how far the mm-hmm. fire had gotten before anybody really realized what was going on. Wow. So, wow. Thank goodness for those dogs. Yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. Okay. So after fire, after fire like that, after any house fire, I guess there's probably some sort of investigation. Yeah. So, we uh, the fire department has to make what they call an origin and cause mm-hmm. determination, whether it's by a trained investigator, or by the fire chief, or command. State law says that everybody has to every fire has to have an origin and cause. Um, we do that through a fire report. Origin and cause. Yeah, origin and cause. So, I'm the fire investigator for the county right now, the only one. Um, okay. So my job really is to figure out if it's intentional or accidental or anything in that nature and then if it's accidental we uh leave it for the insurance investigators they your normally your insurance will send out an investigator because they mm-hmm. want to figure out why your house burned down before they spend a right a bunch of money to rebuild it and if it's on purpose or intentional we'll uh call state police and they'll send an investigator out arson investigators yep. Interesting. Interesting. There are investigators for the county. Okay. So there's county law enforcement, or is it? It's state police. State police. State police. Arson investigators. Okay. But you have particular training in in cause. Basically, you're driving at origin and cause. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, What was that training like? Where where did that Where did that happen? Oh, it was in Hanover, and it was three weeks, four weeks long, every day for four weeks. Okay, so now anytime there's a house fire in Louisa County, do you go and do that origin and cause investigation? Yep, if I'm available and around, I'll go. And it may not be that day; it may be a couple of days later. Right. 
was an origin and cause investigation conducted at the waters Yep. on this one. You, you did that one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And did you do that like when you were there at that moment or was it a later time? Yeah. So I did one when I was there and just determined that it was, you know, um, accidental it was accidental and left it yeah. for the insurance investigator and came back later with them. Cause I'm new and want to get the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Going with somebody that's more trained and, it, it's helpful, um, I think, for everybody listening and for me, um, and we'll get into more of this later, but I think it's helpful to you know identify possible causes of house fires and likely causes and common causes so that you know we cannot do knucklehead things to set our own houses on fire. And in the process of that, um, and I guess in the process of you doing an investigation, are you, is it process of elimination? You know, it you're is. kind of going through. Yeah. So, I mean, so the way you approach a fire is, you know, start from outside in most da- or least damage to most damage. Okay. So then you're looking at pa- what they call fire patterns. So you're looking at how the smoke traveled through the house, how the fire traveled through the house. Um, of course, the most damage normally means that's probably closer to where the fire started, not always. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's what you kind of look for. You take pictures as you go in case you knock something over or something falls down. Right, right. You have evidence that, hey, this is what I was looking at. But Interesting. On this fire, did it, it look like it started, you said, from the outside? That's what it looked like, yeah. There was more damage outside, yeah. and that's well, just because the fire burns longer? Well, no, I mean, it's not always. So this house, it had more damage inside, but we could explain the fire travel to say it started outside. Okay. So with this particular fire at the waters, um, were there, and I know you said you didn't reach a firm conclusion. You yeah. just handed it off to the insurance companies yeah. are investigating it. But when you were over there, were there any suspected causes or likely that you had, you know, kind of in your head? Yeah. I mean, we always go in thinking, you know, it's, it's either electrical or, or mm-hmm. not. You had to rule them out. You had to rule out that it wasn't caused by electricity. It wasn't mm-hmm. caused by a lightning strike. It wasn't caused by somebody with a lighter. Like you have to have to rule out things. And mm-hmm. if you can't rule something out, then it's probably it's probable or possible that that could be the cause. Mm-hmm. So you may, at the end of an investigation, you might have three things that has, it's possible. It may be because you left the grill on. It may be because the outlet sparked. It mm-hmm. may be because somebody lit it on fire. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Always. So... Did you guys at that if that particular fire at least narrow it down to a couple potential causes? We did. What were those? Yeah, so we couldn't rule out like smoking discarded smoking materials. We couldn't rule out. You could not rule could out no nope. smoking material like a cigarette like or cigar a cigarette, or something. Cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't rule out electrical, and then you know nothing says it didn't start inside the wall, and because we couldn't get inside to really look hard. So. Right. Right. So takeaways from that fire. Do you have any of, of potential causes? Obviously, you know, things that you smoke can yeah, start I mean, fires. The, well, obviously, you know, your your cigarettes, if you smoke outside, mm-hmm. be sure you put them somewhere and make sure they're out. But also, like, your leaf litter around your house. What do you mean leaf litter? So, like, when in the fall when your trees lose mm-hmm. all the leaves, lot you know, they blow up against the house. If you're not careful, like, Virginia has the fire season as well. So, tomorrow is supposed to be, like, what, 50-mile-an-hour winds? Yeah. So if a fire starts in a neighborhood and before you know it, it could be your house. Yeah, and those leaves go up yep. fast, especially when they're dry. 
So be careful with your leaf litter yeah. around your well, house. Just, yeah, just get it away from your house. Okay, get the Under, leaves From off. underneath your deck, from, you don't want anything. Yeah, so I guess if you're, you know, just casually smoking a cigarette or you've got a cigar and you're out in your back deck and a spark goes down and you get a pile of dry yep. leaves, it's just asking for yep. asking for problems. Or anything, like you're running your lawnmower and you hit a spark and that happens in the fall when people try to chop up leaves. Really? Yeah, your lawnmower calls a spark or the bearings mm-hmm. get hot and then the leaves catch fire underneath the lawnmower. So what what can we do to mitigate that risk? Because obviously we've got to mow and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just be maintenance, right? Be be mindful of conditions your equipment's in and where you're mowing. Like, does it really need to be mowed or is it, can you rake the leaves out and then mow? Damn, it's so much harder to rake leaves yeah, than a man. You get tired. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess, kind of watching your surroundings yeah. as you're mowing, making sure that, you know, something's not starting. Exactly. Fire's not starting. Um, what about carrying a fire extinguisher while you're mowing? You know, you got a fire extinguisher in one hand yeah. driving. That might is be that a overkill. Little, might be a little excessive. Uh, having <laughs> one is not bad or garden hose nearby. Garden hose is a good idea. Yeah. That's good. You mentioned that you could not rule out um, electrical mm-hmm. on that one. When you say that, do you mean maybe like an outlet that sparked outside yeah, or something could, like that? It could have been an outlet um, in the wall that sparked and is there anything light fixture or anything along those lines anything that we can do to mitigate that risk really that should be should be your breakers that end up mitigating that okay so that should be designed into the house more or less nothing really we can unless you have a breaker that's constantly tripping Mm -hmm. don't you know don't just keep turning it on and if it blows again turn it back on and so that's the takeaway from if a breaker is blowing keeps blowing if it keeps tripping out it's for a reason get it checked out yeah okay so that fire was within the last 12 months yeah it's probably four or five months ago i think okay um louisa county lake anna area any other fires in the last year or two uh i know we've had one at noah's landing and then a, at least one chimney fire on the lake so one at noah's landing noah's landing's a subdivision also over there on the private side near dyke three yeah, east off of east ham right right um, what happened there? Uh, I'm not real sure. I know um, from what I can recall, I remember like uh, somebody on a boat called it in saying they could see smoke and then the fire department got there and the house was on fire. I remember that day. I remember seeing it from a distance, black smoke yep. coming up. Did you respond to that one too? I did not, no. No. Did you learn or do you recall any more about, about that fire? Or no, not really. Happened? No. Did they get it put out? They did. They got it pulled out, put out, but... I don't recall. No, I don't remember anybody saying what caused it. We rode by it not long after uh, we were in that in that area of the lake, and it looked like the roof had been burned out pretty good, but it looked like the rest of the house had been saved. Yeah, I, I never did ride out there to see what exactly was going mm-hmm. on. That's before I was actually even qualified to investigate fires. To investigate. So. Who was the investigator before you? So they had a gentleman named Mike Slimmer that did it. Okay. Before and he retired a couple months before I got hired. So, okay. Before you got into the captain mm-hmm. job? Yep. All right. Interesting. And you mentioned there was also a, a chimney fire there recently. Was. Where did that happen? Uh, in the subdivision, I think Shorewood across the Mitchell Point. Okay. Okay. Off Kentucky Springs. Yep. Now, Shorewood is public side. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
it trying, is. trying to think where it's tough, it's tough to it's tough to keep track of yeah that's the public side it was a chimney fire did you respond to that one i did not okay was that before you became no i just cabin. was not available that day what happened with the chimney how do chimneys catch fire what is that because there's a lot of folks that have chimneys yeah, out here. So a lot of it's, uh, if it's wood burning fire, that's mainly what causes, you know, you're not going to get a chimney fire from your gas fireplace. Okay. It's going to be a wood burning fireplace. Uh, it's built up on the inside of the chimney that eventually will get hot enough and catch fire. We call it creosote. Um, creosote is the stuff that builds up. Yeah, it's the, What's it come from? It's uh, just a byproduct of combustion that builds up, it cools. It's kind of like a tar, oily product that will eventually burn. So if I have a wood burning fireplace yep. and I just keep using it for years and years, this creosol yep. will build up on the inside on the inside of your of my chimney. Chimney. Okay. And that becomes flammable. It does. And if I get a hot enough fire, it can be a fire fuel. Yep. And it'll catch fire. And it sounds like that's what happened here. It was. That's so what do you do to prevent that? So you can make sure your uh, chimney's cleaned. Things once every year it's recommended or and then be careful what you burn make sure it's dry wood not pine hard you know oaks that type of wood interesting interesting so keep your your chimney cleaned out uh i want let's shift topics just a little bit sure um and it's it's similar to what we've been discussing but i just want to speak more generally about kind of fires and fire causes um, can you just, you know, take 60 seconds and just talk to us about the most common causes of fires, you know, just, you know, in, in the U S period, because I'm sure that they're the same here, but yeah. So what I see mostly is, you know, electrical issues, whether it's extension cords running mm-hmm. too long or, uh, you know, over, over running something that should be on a higher breaker. So like that, once again, you know, trying to run a skill saw on a 15-amp breaker is not going to work out most times. It's going to try to trip that breaker, and then if you keep flipping it, eventually everything's going to get hot, and then something's going to catch fire. Okay. Uh, another thing is leaving stuff on the stove while you're gone. Okay. Especially if you have animals, they'll they'll hop up and interesting turn your stove on, and next thing you know, you have a kitchen fire. Okay. What else? Um... I hear all the time, or I read all the time that lint and like not like failing to clean yep. lint out of your dryer, your clothes dryer. Yeah, that's is a, that a is that a that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, I know a lot of our a lot of the I got a new dryer not long ago. It actually warns you that uh, there's too much in too there, too much lint in your pipe, and it's restricted. Wow. Okay. So there's two places to check. Yeah. You got to check your lint trap, the lint on, trap, and then the pipe and then itself. The pipe itself. Interesting, interesting. And how do you get to the pipe? Depends where it runs out of. So mine luckily runs through my crawl space. I can get in there and clean it out pretty easily. They make tools that you can, like brushes, that you can put on the end of a drill and it cleans it out. Or I think people are actually using it as a as a business now to clean out dryer ducts. And interesting. That's probably a good idea. So you want to clean out the pipe and clean out the trap. Yep. What about candles? People leaving candles burning, things yeah, like that. You know, always leaving things burning that aren't supposed to get knocked over by, once again, animals. So don't leave the room. Try not to leave yeah. the room, or especially the house with candles burning. Yeah. No, definitely don't leave the house with candles burning. 
what about cigarettes? We talked about that a little earlier, but yeah, I mean, luckily cigarettes have safeties manufactured into them now. Like if you buy a set of a pack of cigarettes in Virginia, they're mm-hmm. they're got to be tested by the state fire marshal. Oh, interesting. Yep. So I think if you leave light a cigarette and just leave it burning, it has mm-hmm. to go out within so many minutes, or I don't know the exact process, but I know there's, there's a some pro- safety built into safeties them. built built into them. Here at Lake Anna, there are a lot of propane fireplaces, mm-hmm. propane tanks, propane grills. Um, and you hear a lot of rumors and stories about propane tanks, um, propane tanks blowing up, propane tank injuries. You hear about propanes in, in RVs. Can you talk about, you know, is, are those risks real? Um, what can we do to mitigate that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely they're, the explosion part is real. Um, if you have any propane or natural gas burning inside uh, with a stove, a uh, fireplace, you need to have a carbon monoxide detector on top of your smoke detector. That's in case. Why do you need a carbon monoxide detector? Spell they, that out. Yeah, that's a what they call a silent killer. You can't see, taste, or smell carbon monoxide, but by the time you know something's going on, you've already gone too far, you're sick, or... Carbon monoxide is a, a product of what? It's a, it's a byproduct of what they of what they call incomplete combustion. So it's just a off gassing of the the fire of propane. Okay. Anytime propane is burning. Yep. So if I have a propane fireplace or potentially a propane um, gas grill, yep. that that could give it off. Well, hopefully your gas grill is outside, but. If you're doing anything, I mean, like else. propane cooktop. Yeah, cooktop. Yep, inside. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that could give off carbon monoxide too. Yeah, it could. So you want a carbon monoxide detector yep. in your house? All right. Uh, is there a good place to to place those? I uh, would just whatever the manufacturer recommends on your. Good answer. You know? <laughs> it's a good. <laughs> They're answer. not like smoke detectors where they, you know, smoke rises. Not all the time does carbon monoxide rise. So. Okay. Um. What about space heaters? You know, you hear a lot about space heaters. I know some people like space heaters. My kids love space heaters. So does my wife. Yeah, they love having space. <laughs> so a- apart from driving up your electric bill, hundreds of dollars a month, what 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 else about space heaters? Are they, you know, you hear horror stories about them, and I, th- I think a lot of them are probably, you know, the older space heaters yeah. that fall over and they catch on fire. And things. Yeah, but, luckily, like if they fall over now, they're supposed to have a, most of them have a, switch on them that will turn them off but the biggest thing is pushing them too close or sliding a chair like in the office back onto one and dropping paper on them stuff like that when they're contact something making contact or a blanket or something going up against it while it's on and then whoosh so if you have a space heater just keep it away from things keep it clear yeah i think ours if like you know an animal knocks it over or something it's it's done if you pick it up it turns off yep so they seem to be pretty good in that regard. But, yeah, but they do get hot. Yeah, they do. They get hot. Um, and how often are you hearing about, you know, grills, like barbecue grills, you know, catching fires, causing fires? Are there risks there we should be thinking about yeah, I mean, out of get, the lake? We get a couple a year. Um, the biggest thing, once again, is make sure they're not up against your house. Like, Keep it away from your house. Yeah, grills get hot anyway, so if you don't want them against your vinyl siding and Right, but also like cleaning them out. If you cook burgers on them today, and you go to out there to cook steaks tomorrow, you're probably going to burn the grease off at some point. So 
that's what that's when the fire starts is when you get the grease fire inside the okay. grill. If a clean a clean grill is not going to burn. So keep it away from the house. Yep. Clean it. Clean it. And then the propane turn the propane tank yep. off. Off when you're not using it. How, how risky are the tanks themselves in terms of, you know, exploding and, and things like that? Are they very little? There's safeties built into the valving. And of course you've got the handle that's actually protecting the valve. If you drop it. Interesting. So it's, it would take, take somebody hitting it with something that's to puncture the actual tank to let the gas out. Wow. One time I, uh, I made the mistake of, um, I, I, I lit, so I, I lit the burners and then opened the top instead of opening the top and, then, and yeah. then lighting the burners. It was a summer day. That's what happened to your hair. I didn't exactly. That's what. <laughs> that's that's the punchline. That's how I lost it all. Uh, similarly, though, it uh, you know I I just I was just distracted and just did it backwards and you know turned on the um, you know the burners. And a couple of seconds later, you know, I opened up the top and then I pressed the button and man, it sounded like a shotgun. Yep. It sounded like a shotgun went off and, you know, burned the hair on my chest. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I was saying, man, I think I just dodged a bullet, but yeah. And the hair. Yeah. yeah. Before that I had long <laughs> Fabio like hair and now it's, it's never came back. Um, okay. So just in terms of general prevention, you know, what are some steps you'd recommend around, you know, here at the lake or, you know, anywhere, houses, boats, things like that, to mitigate fires, prevent fires, like smoke detectors. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, in-house extinguishers. In-houses, smoke detectors. Okay. Um, having a fire extinguisher in your kitchen, garage, anywhere that you think a fire could break out. So if I, uh, if I turn around in my kitchen and there's a fire on, on my cooktop... Um, what's, you hear debates about what do you do there? Yeah. Well, if it's in a pan and you can put a top on it, you put the top on it. Take the air out. Yep. Um. If I don't have a lid? Baking soda or a fire extinguisher. Not water. Nope. Because? Grease, grease fire. Once you throw water on it, the water wants to boil and then you have little balls of fire everywhere and All right. probably get burnt and All right. So spread the fire. So don't throw don't throw water on a fire in your kitchen no. or a cooking if you have a yeah, cooking related cook, fire no water no water just makes it worse yep how often are you guys you know we've talked about house fires yep. out here at lake anna are you seeing and responding to boat fires you see much not of that? very often um in my 15 years i can only think of a handful that have happened and on our on our side of the lake that is and what do you recall what the cause of those would have been a mm. boat fire no i mean most of those vehicular fires are kind of hard they're always roll back to some sort of mechanical failure okay more than likely so just maintain your boat yeah don't do stupid stuff on it yeah have flammable you know chemicals liquids things like yeah. that follow the maintenance recommendations yep keep the gas where it needs to be and Make sure everything's running right. And what about boat house fires? Do you respond to many of those? Not luckily, not in Louisa. I have not heard of any. Good. Yeah. Good. These are these are good answers. These are good answers. And in terms of again, you know, prevention and fire mitigation at a boathouse, you think the best thing just have fire extinguishers down there. Don't be dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest thing is fire extinguishers. Um, once again, store, where you're storing your fuels. Um, Where's the gas? Yeah, you don't want your gas locked up in a closet that's airtight. 
Cause because because if, if that gas puts off fumes and eventually mm-hmm. that gets to the right mixture that if something were to spark or the fumes can ignite yep, exactly and then so best to have them maybe out back beside the boathouse yeah, or in an open area outside in the in an open area in a ventilated room somewhere like that okay shifting gears just a bit louisa county we're obviously here we're at the lake but this is this is a rural area um correct me if i'm wrong but i would characterize the louisa county fire and ems as as rural it's a rural department yes good description of our ems and fire department versus city are, are there differences between how a, you know, kind of a rural operation is run and operates versus a city yeah, I mean, the biggest thing it, for us is time, right? From the time you call 911 to the time we get to you might be longer than what you would. Oh, your response time. Your response time would be longer than what would happen in the city. Is that why? Is space to yep, spread out? Just, uh, you know, we have you know, seven departments throughout the whole county. So just because you know that there's an ambulance normally in Mineral doesn't mean that that's the closest one at that time. We run about 8,000 fire, fire and EMS calls a year. Okay. For the county. Fire and EMS. Yeah. They might be busy, and the next closest one is coming. Okay. From a, from so a long way away, it could be. So response time could be shorter. Yeah. Our goal, every every call in the county gets a response of less than 15 minutes is what our goal is. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That'd be quick. Um, and, again, you have seven stations spread out throughout the county. Yep. But Louise is a big county. It is. I mean, how how long is it? I mean, it's uh, thirty miles or something. I mean, it's yeah. It runs from Gum Springs on the interstate, which is the one fifty nine to the one thirty two ish on the interstate. Mm-hmm. Past Zion, like yeah. out out going towards Fluvanna, towards Charlottesville. You guys have a big big area to cover. Yes. So, going back to differences, so response time is a difference in a rural county. You've got more more area to cover. Yep. Um, in a city, do they tend to have fewer volunteers and more full time, or is that a kind of a similar um, similar breakdown? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think most of your cities are mainly career departments nowadays. Uh, I know some of them still do have volunteers in them, but I don't know what if it compares to what we have or not. They probably have bigger budgets than you guys. Probably, I would imagine yeah, a little bit. H- how are you guys funded? So we're funded through our. The department is funded through taxpayers, and then the mm-hmm. volunteer departments also get donations. Okay. So. And taxpayers, I imagine you guys, you receive county money, but probably you get some state yeah, subsidy. We, we do. We uh, well, we get what's called a four for life, which comes off of your registration to your vehicle. Okay. Uh, okay. It's not called four for life anymore. I have to, but it's it's a EMS to help with the EMS side of the house, and then. Fire programs gives us money, which is based off insurance rates for the area or some magic formula that they have. Okay. Okay. How's your funding level now? You feel like where it need to be, or but well, you guys can always use more? I asked the chief that one. We always, <laughs> everybody can use more, right? But yeah. Yeah. It's expensive to run a fire department. I bet it is. I bet it is. Out here in a kind of a rural setting, at the lake setting, from a training perspective, do you all have, you know, any types of training that you undergo that, say, a city wouldn't? Or is the training really the... Um, it's about... The, it's the same. Uh, luckily, the state has a statewide standard for 
for training for training so okay there's very little in-house well there's a lot of in-house training but very little of it is made in-house right it's it's all accredited it's all like if we have have a certification by the end of it it's it's been tested by other people and we don't have to take it in county we can go somewhere else and take it and have the same certificate that we need to do it okay so who operates for instance the you know the boat that's ready to go so they have a group of guys that are girls that have trained especially for that assignment okay so they have that special training for that and is that training that's unique to lake anna or is that a special just water-based training just water-based state standards water-based standards we do some of course you know any to familiarize yourself with the area there's there's Mm -hmm. in-house training but that's more of getting out there and driving around and you know finding those places where people call you know cocktail cocktail cove the sandbar stuff the common names of Mm -hmm. places okay and now i'd just like to take a quick break to provide an update on the lake anna real estate market as of today april 3rd 2023 there are a total of 49 homes for sale here at lake anna a total of 49 That's a much lower number of homes for sale than we had before the pandemic. This number has been increasing since then. We were down in the 20s at one point. Now up to 49 is good, but historically it's still low, much lower than it was pre-pandemic. This also means homes are going to sell more quickly because there's fewer of them and they're going to be selling for top dollar. Just to break down the 49, there are a total of 29 that are waterfront and the remaining 20 are water access. So 29 waterfront homes right there touching the water. They've got their own shoreline and then 20 that are water access. So they're close to the water, but they're not actually touching the water. To address the 29 waterfront lake houses for sale here at the lake, only 18 of those actually exist. The remaining 11 are to be built new construction homes. Either they haven't started yet or they've just begun construction, but only 18 of those actually exist. And the average price of waterfront homes for sale here at Lake Anna right now is $1.56 million, $1.56 million. And for the remaining 20, the 20 water access homes, the average price is about $580,000. So what does all this data mean to you? Well, if you're thinking about selling, the low supply of homes is going to help you. Low supply equals higher demand. Higher demand means top dollar, higher sales prices, and your sales are going to happen more quickly. The average time it takes a house to go in the market right now here at Lake Anna is 59 days. That was for last month, the month of March. So if you're a seller, still a great time to sell. If you're thinking about buying, there's a lot more inventory to choose from now than there was a year or two ago during the pandemic. Again, there are 49 to choose from right now. It is a far less competitive market as a buyer now than it was six months or a year ago. However, the bad news as a buyer is the interest rates are higher, a bit higher than they were last year. Last year at some point, you know, they were in the threes. Now you're looking probably in the sixes. But the good news if you're a buyer is the industry experts are predicting that the interest rates are on the way back down in the next year or so they should be back down in the fours or fives so you could buy something now and then refinance with your lender to decrease your monthly payment to those of you that are not buying or selling you're sitting in a really good spot because the lake anna market here is we expect it to the property values to continue to appreciate the value to continue to increase and this is mainly due to the low the existing low supply of homes and again creating the the higher demand and the upward pressure on prices 
But if you have any questions about Lake Anna Real Estate, my contact information is below. Let's talk about um, medical emergencies and medical responses um, for a minute. Um, typically, if there's an emergency call, is it coming through the same kind of 911 dispatch that you were talking about yep. earlier? Yep. So all of the if you dial 911 in Louisiana County, it goes one place. So whether you need the fire department, EMS, or sheriff, it's going. It all goes through all dispatch. Going to the same dispatch center. Okay. And if it's a medical emergency, what's being sent out? Uh, Who goes? Depending on what it is, if it's just a regular run, uh, what we're calling like uh, the sick person. So you're calling because you, you know, just need to go in to figure out why you don't feel good, right? It's just going to be a medic unit more than likely. Um, but if it's a cardiac arrest or some major incident, there's going to be an engine, at least an engine and a medic unit and maybe the battalion chief come in. Okay. This could be a dumb question, but why is a fire engine going if I call and I'm having chest pain? Why does a fire truck show up at my house? So it all depends. Like it could be what level of care is on the ambulance versus what's on the engine. So okay, just the skill set of the people. Yeah. Okay. So just because you're on the engine, you may be the paramedic for the day. Okay. Um, we do run what we call trauma units, which is the advanced level EMT. They can do about 75% of the call volume that the medic can do but the medic can do that last 25 percent. so it's the it's the cardiac calls it's the cardiac arrest chest pains some difficulty breathings just depending on what needs to be done on the call gets you the higher level of care okay so i i I think a lot of people underestimate you know what what can happen in an ambulance or or a med unit yeah I think there's a thought that it's uh, almost just like a medical Uber. You know, it's just it's just your lift. Um, can you talk for a minute about you know you know an ambulance? You know what's in it? Sure. What's in it? Uh, you know, typically what the setup is, and you know what type of skill set it brings. What type of procedures can be performed and things like that. I mean, obviously, you could spend an hour answering that question, oh, yeah. but just you know, in, in kind of generally speaking, in layman's terms. Yeah, so the back of an ambulance is set up not much, you know, different than a regular box truck. But it mm-hmm. has bench where you can sit, and there's a place to lock a gurney down, cot down, mm-hmm. where the patient would sit. Um, Equipment-wise, we have, it's pretty much a mobile emergency room. A mobile emergency yeah, room. We okay. have drugs that we're able to give to to prevent some things and to mm-hmm. help with some situations um cardiac arrest breathing problems uh anaphylaxis a lot there's a lot of drugs in there that we can can use to help you uh we have a defibrillator and a monitor so we can run 12 leads which look at your heart we can monitor your breathing we can monitor how well you're oxygenating we can check your blood pressure we can do about anything in the e- that the ER can do. We just don't have a doctor in the back. Okay. But it sounds like, I mean, 90% plus yeah. of the procedures that are that can be performed in an emergency room can actually be, be performed right in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, but if it's, if it's life-saving and needs to be done, we can do it mm-hmm. in the back of the ambulance. You can. And I imagine that, you know, for some or all of the drugs, the narcotics that would need to be administered and things like that, those are only for, you know, the advanced responders, you know, the paramedics or the, or the intermediates, but are are doing that. But a lot can be done, you know, in in the back of an ambulance. Um, And the people that are responding, 
um, have gone through a considerable amount of training. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, <clears throat> talk about, you know, what's the typical training pipeline for a paramedic? So when I took paramedic, it was uh, a college course. It was one day a week for two years. And on top for of that. For two years? For two years, yeah. Wow. And then on top of that was clinicals. It was hours in the ER, hours on the ambulance, hours in the hospital, different floors, just to get your knowledge base up. We spent hours in the OR just innovating people to get to be skillful in that because that's a that's a what we call a high risk, low frequency. So we don't do it very often, but when we do need to do it, we need to do it right. Right. And it could be potentially dangerous. Yep. What is innovation? So that's uh us putting a tube in and breathing for you. Someone's having trouble breathing, yep. you can help them breathe that way. Right. Um and you're a paramedic. I am. How many paramedics are working in Louisa County right now, mm. roughly? Uh, every day there's at least four on, and then there's always extra. So, I mean, you think we've got a dozen, you know, that are that are here that work? I think you said say there's 78 full-time yeah. employees. Yeah, so we're, our staffing level, we have to have four, four medics on at any time. On. On. Live on at any duty. time. Yep. Wow. But uh, without looking at who our people are and I couldn't tell you. That's okay. More than four. Yeah. Um, and then um, what's an intermediate training pipeline like? So it's the same, just a few months shorter, probably six months shorter to a year shorter. Okay. And the EMTs, mm-hmm. w- w- what are they, what's their training like? And So they're, uh, they're the, you know, basic. So they're getting the, the, the knowledge, the base knowledge they're okay. getting, learning I won't say the simple stuff because it's not, but it's your blood pressures. It's your, hey, this is wrong. We probably should look at this, that type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to, trying to put the start to put the pieces together to figure out the right way to go. In terms of who responds, I guess that's the information that's coming from dispatch, yep. and they'll decide does a medic need to go or yeah. So they have does a medic always go? Sometimes will an EMT just respond? Yep. Sometimes so it depends on so we. When we mark up a unit, we'll, we mark up. So, like, if you ever listen to Fire and EMS, because you can listen online to our dispatch center. Mm-hmm. So if you hear, like, rescue, like, say, 3-1, because that's the Lake Anna station. 3 would be Lake Anna. 1 was the unit. So rescue 3-1 is EMT level. So if it's a sick call, the, the rescue unit may go by itself. But what's, med- a, what's a sick call? Just like uh, you don't feel good, like stomach hurts or abdominal pains. Okay, or, sick. As opposed to I can't breathe yeah. or uh, chest potentially hurts, heart attack. Not right? breathe. Yeah, or I fell and busted my head open. Yeah, and something like that. And then a trauma unit is that middle level, that advanced. And then a medic would be intermediate or paramedic. So that's how we distinguish between the units. And that's just a point I want to really drive home here: is that you know you guys train for years. And there's also ongoing training yeah. requirements, I bet. And as I said earlier, I think that there's a, a, a misperception. I, I, I think the, the, the value of the skill set that you all bring to, to skills is commonly underestimated uh, that you bring to scenes. Uh, I think it's important for everyone to know that when an ambulance shows up, it's it's basically, especially if there's a medic there, it's basically an emergency room yeah. um, that's right there. Um bringing this to lake anna um what are the more common medical emergencies that sh- that that 
you have seen over the years associated with the lake? So a lot of it's seasonal. So in the winter, winter time when the weather's not as nice and not everybody's out, it's a mm-hmm. lot of the medical calls. It's the chest pain, shortness of breath, um, okay, sick calls because you know a flu-like symptoms is what we would call sick call. Like okay. If you call and say, "Hey, I think I got the flu, but I can't get myself to the ER," or I'm, you know, nauseous and vomiting, that's all sick call to us. Um, okay. That's probably the big things we see in the winter time. In the summer, it gets more of the traumatic injuries. It's the falls. It's the, you know, car accidents. Just as, as weather gets nice and people move outside, and of course, you're more more likely to hurt yourself when you're out doing something. What about um, medical calls to the lake itself? You know, out on the water. Do you ever? respond to anything out on the water injuries yeah. you know, boats and swimming and things like yeah, that Yeah, occasionally we have few a year probably out on the lake what's what's an example or two of those um and my i've seen we've seen a prop injury from a boat uh, i've seen people fall off when you say prop you mean like a propeller injury propeller, from a boat yep, yep. Talk, talk about that for a minute i mean the more that you can the more layers you can peel back here i think it, it, it helps folks avoid getting hit by a prop yeah so i this this instant was somebody was backing a boat up and didn't realize there was somebody behind them and got got into backed into somebody and their cut their leg the up propeller spinning yep so always always know yep. you know when there are people around oh, yeah, you. absolutely in fact and even uh, when you think that propeller's not spinning it probably is uh, my rule of thumb is just have the boat off yeah. when people are in the water yeah and you got yeah. eight people make sure you count you've got all eight, eight. yeah. And then and then start her up before anybody jumps off or gets on. Make sure you know the boat's off or you know good and well that it's in neutral. Or I don't hear a lot about a boat, a lot of boat accidents out here at the lake. I mean, every once in a while you hear about them, but yeah, occasionally we get one. A lot of times it's after the we had one last year after the fireworks. Um, what boat collision? Mm-hmm. Anybody hurt? Not that I can recall, but I'm not 100%, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the fireworks is a lot of boats out. Yep. A lot of boats, and it's dark, of course. I like to stay on the shore yep. for that. Um, other lake-specific, water-specific medical emergencies um, that you've heard about or responded to in your professional? A lot of times it's the uh, people trying to swim without life vests that get tired or think, you know, get some, inhale some water and it, Possibly could end up to drowning, but doesn't most times. So wear your life jackets. Yeah. Wear your life jackets. Um, here at Lake Anna, there are a lot of bridges mm-hmm. over water. E- ever get uh, emergencies out there on bridges near bridges? Occasionally, yeah. We've had a had several had a guy jump off that judged the landing wrong and ended up on the shore instead of in the water. Yeah. So he so he jumped, but not into the water. Not into the water. Wow, probably alcohol involved there too. Um, how often are you guys ever responding to, you know, again, someone's, you know, slips and falls off a dock or had too much to drink, jumping off the roof? You know, a lot of the boathouses here, these are great boathouses, yeah. but they've got multiple levels and, you know, it's fun to jump off. But I imagine you've got, you're responding to injury calls on yeah, those sometimes. Yeah, it happens some. Um, luckily, not as much as, it could, but it does happen. Good, good, good. Good that it doesn't happen yeah. as much. 
You guys ever respond to uh, fishing related injuries? Uh, I had got a, a hook in my finger. I had a couple. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah. What were those? Uh, I had one in the foot, and unfortunately, we can't remove those. So a hook in the foot? Yeah. Got, Why can't you remove it? Because it's considered an impaled object, and we cannot remove. That's an invasive, invasive procedure. Yeah. It's got to be done by a doc. Done by a doc. Wow. So if I step on a hook and I can't get it out, I got to go to the you gotta ER. Got to go to the ER. All right. Well, that's a nice segue. Got to go to the ER. I want to talk about transportation. Okay. So if I've got a hook in my foot yep. and I can't get it out, you can't try. And I'm here on the private side. Where are you taking me? It depends really on the lake because uh, we can go to Spotsylvania Regional, which is just there in Thornburg, not too far. Okay. Um, go to Culpeper. That's not terribly far up the road. So you can't, for a minor injury, like you can't just take me to a station. Nope. And just say, give me your foot. And nope. Pull it on out. Okay. So as a real estate agent here, that's a, a question I get a lot. Where are the major medical you know, centers nearby? Where, where are the minor ones? Um, so what are the major ones? So we have three major ones we transport to throughout the county. It's uh, UVA, VCU, and... Uh, well, actually, it's more now because I keep forgetting that Henrico Doctors is now a trauma center, and then Mary Washington is a trauma center as well. Okay. Now, just so the listeners know where you know where these are, we've got VCU is Richmond. Yep, downtown Richmond. And then we've got uh, Mary Washington is on the way. Yep, in Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg. And then Henrico, also Richmond. Yep. Um, do you ever transport to Martha Jefferson? We do, but that's more of a minor. Like if it's Miners. if it's a trauma or anything that they don't think they can handle, they'll send us to UVA. So fish hook in the foot, I might go to Martha they Jefferson. I might go to Martha Jefferson, yeah. Or Spotsylvania. Yeah. We can't take you to freestandings like um, Short Pump and what's it, Lee's Hill that's up there. You can transport yep. to those. As long as they're considered an ER by the state, we can take you. Okay. So you can't transport me to like an urgent care no. or something like that. Okay. So minor injuries, we're going to go to one of those. And I guess major major injuries, we, we've got to go to a trauma center, yeah. major medical issue. Unless we, need a hard to, or, yeah, unless we need to stop somewhere closer because we're trying to stabilize you. So if we're in the back of the ambulance and we don't think we can make it to VCU, mm-hmm. we may stop and short pump just so the doctors there can try to stabilize you long enough. Oh, okay, if you've got a doctor on the way or yeah. something. Um, do you all work with aircraft? We Medical do. response, what yeah. type? So we uh, we use helicopters a lot. Okay. Um, you hear them talk Pegasus yeah. and Life Flight and those. So, How do those work? So depending on the call, it's up to the provider to request. The provider being like the medic the on medic scene and, or something? Yep, yep. whoever's okay. on scene that can see the pay- well. A lot of times we pre-alert them because it's it's a flight time, right? If we can get them in the air mm-hmm. coming to us, that cuts down their flight time from 15 minutes to a couple minutes on the ground. So you might even pre-alert them before you get there. Yeah, a lot of our, lot of our dispatches will have a helicopter pre-alerted. Okay, and then you're on the way. Yeah. Now, you're a medic. Yep. You know, what, what kind of... What types of factors are you... You get to a scene, let's say a bad scene, bad car accident or someone's having... I don't know what types of things might cause you to consider calling for an aircraft as opposed to just an ambulance ride. So for me, it's, you know, always your patient condition, but it's, it's, uh, do I, do they have something I don't, whether it's, uh, we're going to innovate this patient and I would 
we don't carry ventilators on the ambulance so the mm-hmm. helicopter has a ventilator so we won't have to bag them they can get better care with the ventilator they also have ultrasound so if we think it's a some sort of traumatic injury and they need to ultrasound to to check for blood or other things um they also carry blood products so if it's if interesting you're, if you're bleeding out we they can give you blood they can bring blood yeah we don't carry blood on our ambulances really and it's time like you know from here to vcu is probably an hour and 20 minutes depending on traffic mm-hmm. and they can be there in probably 20 minutes from the okay. time they lift off yeah i was gonna say that's probably one of your biggest factors because yep. all the things you just listed blood ventilators vcu has all those yep. uva has all those but what you may not have at that moment is time. time. Is time. If they need to be there in 15 minutes, yep. yeah, then I'm going to call them. So I imagine pre-alerting is really important. It is. Because otherwise, you, you, could, you could be sitting there waiting for 30 minutes yep. for them to even get here, and you could have been halfway there in an ambulance. Yeah, luckily, we, I mean, we're surrounded pretty well by helicopters. So Where are they coming from? So we have one in Charlottesville, which is Pegasus. We have one in Culpeper, one in Spotsylvania. One in Hanover, one in Chesterfield, and then two in Chesterfield. Are, are there ever occasions where you might say, okay, I need an aircraft, and they say, sorry, it can't come? Yep, all the time. What would cause that? Uh, mainly weather, or if they're busy. Weather and busy is the two biggest things. Okay, so it can't fly in bad weather. Well, it's all about how how high the clouds are and, you know, course if it's ice and just like right so they don't want to fly ifr they want to fly out yep. of the clouds below the clouds yep. they gotta fly vfr unless they're going to an airport and then they can fly sometimes can fly ifr interesting yeah you hear about um helicopter crashes from time yep. to time they in just, bad weather they're pushing it so they just had one not long ago in north carolina i think really weather mm-hmm. i don't hadn't seen what caused that one but wow um, and you said that the other reason you may not be able to get an aircraft is just busy. Yep. The aircraft, they're yep. all taken yep. somewhere else. So when, when an aircraft shows up, what's, who's on an aircraft? So it's all depends on how it's set up. But normally in Virginia, it's a, a pilot, a nurse and a paramedic. Three people. Yep. And similar setup as an ambulance on the inside, but some, some just with some extras, but, and smaller. And smaller. Wow. The inside is smaller than yeah. an ambulance. Wow. So tight quarters. Oh, yeah. But they, they have they can bring blood. and They have blood. They have ventilators. They have some other other critical drugs that they can give that we don't have in the ambulance. Stuff that mainly needs to be refrigerated because we can't, you know, we don't use blood enough in the mm-hmm. field to go bad. And we don't really have a good place to keep it stored in the ambulance. Interesting. Have to put a refrigerator in there. We don't have that yet. Yep, yep, yep. So a minute ago you said that calls always start, you know, a 911 call always goes through dispatch. It always goes through through dispatch. Um, calling 911, uh, you know, I think some sometimes people wonder, you know, sh- I'm in this given situation, should I call 911? Or, you know, does this situation rise to the level of, of 911? Do you have any advice on... You know when it's a good time to dial it or or not. Maybe use a different number. Is there nine one one abuse out there apart from you know the kids prank calling? Yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? So my thought on nine one one is it's not my emergency to judge whether you called nine one one or not, right? So 
just because it's not an emergency to me doesn't mean it's not your emergency. Sure. So that's a big thing I like to think. I mean, at one time, you know, I thought, well, this really didn't count for 911, right? Mm-hmm. Stub my toe. But, hey, that could be your worst day, right? So it sounds like your message is don't hesitate. No, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. If it's, Call 911. You think it's – if it's an emergency to you, dial it. And if we can come help, then that's what we'll do. What if it's not an emergency to me? Yeah. What if What if I say, you know, I don't, I don't want to clog up the nine one one call, but you know, I, I want to talk to somebody now. Who? What number should I call? Yeah, there's a dispatch uh, non emergency number. It's five four zero nine six seven one two three four, and that's it's five four zero nine six seven one two three four. Everyone should have that in their phones. So if you're not going to call nine one one, call that. So that's non emergent dispatch. Yep. is what that is. Okay, and that's that's busy. That's a busy line too. So, and that could be fire related, law related, yep. anything. It goes anything. to that same it dispatch. Goes, yep. It's just non emergent. Okay. What about CPR? I want to talk about CPR for a minute. Um, could you just take sixty seconds and just explain what it is? Sure. It's uh, it's called cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Um, just like you've seen on the movies, it's chest compressions it's it's uh trying to get the blood moving around the body to uh oxygenate your vital organs while your heart's not beating mm-hmm. until somebody can get to you to try to get your heart beating again life-saving techniques yep with just with your own body your hands your mouth your hands well not even mouth anymore so all hands only all hands interesting how long does it take to get cpr training is that kind of a day long course you can go? Yeah, I think uh, if you go through the like uh, first aid CPR course, it's probably about eight hours long. But if you don't have it and you call nine one one and somebody's in cardiac arrest, the dispatch center will walk you through CPR. Oh, really? On the phone, how to do it out yeah. there? That's awesome. If I'm here at at Lake Anna and I want to learn CPR, um, I want to learn because I've got kids or yeah. you know where I work. Who should I contact? So Parks and Rec offers CPR. Really? Louisa time, County Parks yeah, and Rec. From time to time. And then uh, some of the volunteers will put on CPR classes for the public. So what's new and upcoming at Lake Anna in terms of EMS? There's some stuff on the horizon, right? There is, yeah. This is big. What's going on? New firehouse. New firehouse. Okay, where is it going? Uh, next to Food Line on New Bridge. Newbridge Road, near the food line. It's been a long time coming. Yes. There's been lots of fundraising events around yeah. and things like that. What specifically is, is going in there? So starting, it's going to be a medic unit, which is an ambulance uh, engine okay. and a tanker. And then there are plans for, for other things in the future. Why did we pick that spot? Uh, mainly it's a growth area. So quite a bit of our calls are out there already in the and once again, to get that, that response time down. Mm-hmm. That's right by the lake. It is. It is right by the food line, right by the lake. That's a stone's throw from the 208 bridge. Yep. Sitting right. It's public side, but I imagine, well, you tell me what's going to be that service area. Or um, I guess it kind of depends on what's going on. Yeah, so the way it's looking, it's looking like it's be um, about just uh, – like the Elk Creek store, okay. back to 522 Dickinson store and down um, Mansfield a little ways. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And then everything north of that. Okay. And that will, goal being, 
cutting down response times. Yep. Now, the 208 bridge, as soon as you go over the 208 bridge, you're in Spotsy. Yep. Um, are there occasions where counties help each other out? Absolutely. Okay. How does how, how does that work? If, I guess if someone's busy, the dispatch will call you guys and say, hey, we need help? Yeah, so there's two different ways. We have what they call automatic aid and then mutual aid. Um, we do have one station that's automatic aid right now, and that's uh, Gordonsville. So they, they have a first due in the county if there's a call in that area. They'll call Orange. Orange dispatches Gordonsville, and Gordonsville sends a unit to Louisa. And then another way would be mutual aid. So that would be, you know, our battalion chief or our units responding to a call and say, hey, can you call them? Their unit's probably closer than ours. Or, hey, we're busy. We need help with an ambulance. So if, um, if, if, if I'm someone who wanted to get involved, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I see new bridge being built. I'm excited. I want to contribute to the community. I want to help. You know, what are some ways you know I can contribute, um, not just financially, but I mean, how how can I help the community? How can I involve from a fire and EMS perspective? I don't want to apply for a job. You know, let's say I've got my own job, but you know, I want to help out. What 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 can I do? You can volunteer to either be fire EMS or both. You can volunteer to be fire or EMS. Yep. Um, let's say that I have zero training and I want to volunteer on the medical side. What's that going to look like? So it's going to look like, um, starting off, be taking CPR class and getting involved with the department. Um, that being one of the volunteer, three volunteer rescue squads. And the CPR classes. So first I would apply. Yep. And if I was interested in applying, where, where do I go to find the application? Um, so we can, uh, on our website at the county, I can send you the link to put into the. Sure, sure. And then, uh, but Louis, it's it's just a Louisa County website, or one of those volunteer fire departments, rescue squads have their own websites. Oh, they have their own websites. Yeah. Great. Okay, so you can pretty easy. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put a link in the show yeah. notes. But you can just Google it and, and just then, and uh, just find it. And there's also, an application there. Yeah. And we also have a a position that's called a the volunteer recruitment and retention officer. Okay. So that's a. That's a grant-funded position that's to help us get volunteers to to help us provide service to the county. You guys need volunteers now? Absolutely. Always. Always need them. So I would apply, and then I could get, you know, you said it would start with CPR training. Normally, that's how it starts. And After you get that, you can start riding on the ambulance. Really? Wow. All right. And then after that, would I need to get, you know, an EMT or something? Or are there volunteers who are just simply CPR yeah, trained and that's it? There's some volunteers that are just simply CPR and what we call EVOC, which is a, a driver. Oh, okay. So you can just drive the ambulance or you can work your way up to paramedic. Is there special training for driving the ambulance? There is. There's what we call a emergency vehicle operators course. Okay. And that does everything from your... SUVs that you see your command and mm-hmm. staff units riding in to all the way up to the big ladder trucks. Wow. Different levels for that. Would you get in trouble if you drove the ambulance, you know, you know, hundred miles an hour or something? Okay. Probably. That's not good. No. And then, so if I wanted to, I could go on and continue getting and be a volunteer EMT. Yep. And, and that would take, you know, how, how long let's, let's, let's assume that I have a full-time job and but i want to do this how is is there a way with the fire department they can yes some of the uh two of the volunteer stations currently are putting on uh emt courses that's uh 
I think nowadays it's all hybrid or not all hybrid, but part of it is online. So okay. you can do it at your pace and okay. then a couple Saturdays and a few months later you can have UMT pass a test. Wow. Okay. So there's a way to do it if I have a job around on the edges, nights, weekends, online, things like that, and then I can be an EMT. Absolutely. And then I can go volunteer. Wow. Are there any, forgive me if this is a dumb question, are there any volunteer paramedics? Yep. Or are those all guys? They're all paid? No, there's volunteer paramedics. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, is that also training that the fire department would provide all the way through? It's, uh, it's a little more intense than that, of course. Not yeah. all that's online, but... Uh, more formal yeah more formal. training so but is there a pipeline that you know if that that the does the fire department put volunteers through paramedic yeah, training they will okay okay and that's all again just just submit your application and just getting going yeah so you've been at this for a long time you know why did you get into this runs in the family what do you mean so i third generation firefighter in the county my grandfather was part of the fire department. My dad still is part of the fire department. Grandfather as in James? No, my other one on dad's side. Okay. Okay. And then I'm now in it. Wow. So James never did Mm-mm. fire. But your dad, I know, was always. And Garnet and Jimmy did. Garnet and Jimmy both. Right. And were they doing it before your dad? Uh, probably all about the same all time. All around the same time. Yeah, because I remember growing up around... You know, being around you, you know, we go back, yep. you know, a long ways. In fact, I think I held you as a baby. Probably. I wasn't much older. <laughs> I think I, th- I think I dropped you as a baby Probably. a few times. <laughs> that explains a lot. Explains a lot. So it runs in the family. It runs in the family for you. You ever get Samantha out there doing anything? Nope. Nothing. She's at the tap house. Are there other ways um, that people can support um, Louisa County, Lake Anna, Fire EMS. Yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, the opportunity to donate. Um, minerals getting ready to have their fair in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, so there's an annual fireman's fair. Fireman's fair in mineral. If you come by, awesome. Come by a corn dog that that helps the fire department out. Okay, so all that money goes to the fire yeah. department. That's great. That's great. Do you know when when that is, uh, or where not, people can find that? Not info? off the not off the end, top of my head. Where can they look? Uh, probably the Mineral Fire Department's Facebook would be okay. The best place to go. But it, but that's coming up soon. Yeah, it should be. What kind of stuff they have out there? Uh, it's amusement amusement rides and it's like a carnival. Food, yeah, carnival. Can I get cotton candy out there? Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right, all right. Well, most importantly, you know, what if someone wants to get baseball coaching from the great <laughs> legendary Tommy Luck? Who do they Who do they need to contact? Yeah, gotta wait till after tax season. How do they? <laughs> How do they how do they learn to throw his wicked yeah. slider? So we gotta wait until after April fifteenth. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being here tonight. No problem. I really appreciate your time and you know, hopefully uh, this will get some folks involved. Yeah. Is there um contact info uh for, for you? Do you have an office number? If someone wants to get in touch with you and talk to you about your job or ask you questions, do you have a number that you know, we can put out there? Yeah, our office number is five four zero nine six seven three four nine one. Awesome. What about an email? Uh it's tluck at louisa.org. Awesome. It was great seeing you. You too. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate your time, man. We'll see you out there. All right.